Welcome to Point with Daryl Jones, speaker, author, and lead pastor of the Rock Fellowship Church in Miami, Florida, and president of Point Ministries. Our goal at Point Ministries is to point you to the Word of God, where Jesus is the point. Today's message is from the Chasing After the Wind series, where Dr. Jones teaches through the entire book of Ecclesiastes, and we learn that true satisfaction is found only in knowing the Lord and enjoying the life He provides. Now let's join him for today's message. I invite you to turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 7. It can seem a little bit confusing. It can seem like, I don't know if I agree with that, and yet this is the Word of God, and it's found in a wisdom book. Matter of fact, some of the verses can seem like they don't really go with what comes after or what precedes. And yet, as we're going to walk through today, we're going to find out that there is a relationship with this wisdom literature that's being taught so that we may know how to live life under God. Because in life, the more we mature and the more we grow in wisdom, the more we understand how little we actually control in this life. Matter of fact, I like to tell my own children and what I learned from athletics, which taught me in life, is that the only thing you really control in life is your attitude and your effort. Everything else, out of your control. You can't make people do other stuff. You can't make stuff happen. We got this... A mindset today that you can manifest stuff. If I just think hard and I believe it strong enough, I can make it happen. And when we think like that, we have fallen to idolatry because now no longer is God God, but now I'm God and I create. We have to realize who's in charge. And this is what's being proposed as we read through this text The title for today is Wise Perspective, because what the teacher here is teaching, as he's going through from chapter one, exploring all that the world has to offer, I've concluded when it comes to riches, fame, uh, uh, prestige, physical pleasure, food, sexual pleasure, building legacy, I found this, all of it is futile, it's vanity, it's A vapor. It really doesn't mean as much as we think it does. And here we find him in chapter 7 saying some things that are contrary to almost everything we ever think about. Dude is talking about it's better to go to a funeral than to a party. That's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard in my life. What is he saying? Now you be saying, I didn't read that. That, That's that's what he says. A good name is better than fine perfume, and the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. It is better to go to a house of mourning, that's 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 a funeral, than to go to a house of feasting. That's that's dealing with, with party and revelry. Since the end of all mankind and all the living should take it to heart. You ever worked at a job and you heard they might start laying off people? You ever, you ever been in that kind of atmosphere? You know, what's, you know what you start doing? You start evaluating how good you are at your job. You, you, don't, you don't even know if it's going to be you. All you know is they talk about, I heard they laying some folk off. Is it going to be me? And you start really evaluating how you work. 
It's interesting when we're faced with doom, how we start to really evaluate. That's what he's getting in here. He starts off and he's talking about a good name is better than perfume. And he's talking about your reputation is better than luxuries of life. We all know that, right? You, you can be rich and have everything and your name is garbage. You, you, you untrustworthy. Nobody wants to be that person. But what this passage is not just saying a good name is better than, than this fine perfume. It's, remember, we're looking at wisdom literature. This can also be translated into context because it's wisdom literature in this poetic in sense. It's like, as a good name is better than perfume, is the day of one's death better than one's birth? And then he goes through this morning. He's talking about this issue of death. And this is the point he's making. That, and if you've ever been to a funeral, you may have thought about this. You go to a funeral, you look at the casket, or you see the person in the casket, and you realize, that could have been me. One of these days, that's going to be me. And you start to really evaluate your life. How are you living? What are you doing? Are you wasting your life? You start to think about regrets. Time you've wasted, you know, opportunities that's been squandered. Or you may start to even think about your life and start to celebrate the meaningful things that you've done in life. This is the point that he's making in these first six verses because he's telling us that it's in, when he's saying in a poetic way, talking about the, the heart being in, uh, I'm, I'm going to read it, uh, where he says, uh, the heart of the wise, in verse 4, is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. This is what he's getting at. The party life is a distraction from the issues of life. That's why oftentimes when people go off and they go on vacation and have a great time, they get back home and it's time to get back to normal life and they feel like they need a vacation from the vacation they just had. Why? Because... The partying and the good time was a distraction from things that matter most in life. And when he says heart, what he talks about is not just your, your, your affection, but it's, it's dealing with this issue of like the, the inner person. And he's dealing with the context of understanding this mindset that it is wise for me to really think about and contemplate and consider and to make a big deal what matters most in life over and beyond the good time. Some people live for the good life and they find the consequences thereof. Wow, he says the wise person, because remember this wisdom literature, he's talking about having a wise perspective. Wisdom literature takes life seriously. This does not mean you have to be some old boring person. All right, you sitting here like, see, that's why I don't want to go to church, because y'all boring. What he's getting at is, in a very poetic way, it is wise to take life seriously. It is wise to take responsibility seriously. And oftentimes, we don't think about it until we grapple and wrestle with our mortality. That's why kids do dumb stuff. They don't think they can get hurt. Kids will do the wildest stuff. He's telling us that death can be an education, meaning when we really wrestle with, we only have so much time in this life and we are mortal. 
It is wise to take life seriously. Think about that which matters most. And then he starts to get into a few examples of how things can unfold in this life. We live in a sinful, fallen world. Uh, we've seen all the way up. We've been going through this whole book, and we, he talks about all kinds of evils under the sun. And in particular here, when he's calling us to take life seriously, to have a wise perspective on how we live this life, he starts to get into some um, discussion here, starting in verse 7. I'm going to read 7 um, maybe seven through 10 again. He says here, surely the practice of extortion turns a wise person into a fool and bribe corrupts the mind. Uh, he's telling the end of a matter is, is, is better than the beginning. It's about patience. Verse nine, don't let your spirit rush to be angry. You, you, know, you know what he's getting at? He's, he's, he's getting at some things when we talk about wisdom in leadership, wisdom in politics, Wisdom in leading, and he's saying, look, I need you to understand something. When we take life seriously, when you think about how we treat others and how we respond to our surroundings. I mean, it's wise. When we take life seriously, don't treat people bad and abuse and oppress and extort and bribe. It's corruption. He said, he's basically saying, don't do it. You don't mistreat. I want you to think about something. When we mistreat others, you know, we, we actually do so because we fail to really recognize who God is and who we are. Let me say it like this. When you realize who God is and who you are, it will change how you treat other people because you'll come to grow you won't, it's hard to wrestle with, but you'll come to grow is the grace and the mercy that he's extended to you. Like the things that you've been forgiven for that you don't deserve. How dare you mistreat somebody else that's made in the same in, image of God. He speaks here and he was talking about, you know, he goes to, when we talk about extorting people, you know, you know what extortion is and bribes, you know, you, you, you're getting over on folk. You're taking advantage of people. He said, don't, don't take advantage of people. And he keeps going when he talks about this, uh, the end, the beginning, and patience and anger. This is one of the things that he's, he's really highlighting here that I think is so important for us. Oftentimes, when people make bad decisions and do bad things, oftentimes, not every time, but oftentimes, it comes from a place of hopelessness and a place where feeling that you have no control over and you get hasty. Meaning, sometimes you have deadlines coming up. You know, some people, maybe an issue of, I gotta pay rent. Rent gotta get paid. Deadline coming. The first is coming every month. It's coming, it's coming. Every time, as long as you keep breathing, it's coming up. And, and some people fall into uh, certain spaces and they feel like uh, they, 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 can't, they can't wait on doing it the right way. So they fall into doing some other things to make sure a bill get paid. And 
oftentimes they're willing to do anything and everything for the money to pay a bill. And that may not be everybody's experience, but we can, we can understand deadlines. And the reason I bring that up is because when you deal with issues of extortion and robbery, you're taking advantage of folk and you're trying to get ahead. And it's done so because you have misunderstood who God is and how God is our faithful provider. And you thinking that God can't provide. You thinking that God can't take care of you. You thinking that God can't meet those deadlines. So you fall into doing whatever you need to do. You get impatient because you feel like God is moving too slow. This is, uh, it's, it's very poetic. I, I kept reading this over and he says, the end of a matter is better than its beginning. The patient spirit is better than a proud spirit. Patient one of those like curse words today, isn't it? You know, don't, nobody ever want, don't you tell me to be patient. You're like, wait. But what's interesting is he gives this perspective on waiting for the end to unfold is better than getting impatient and just being proud of spirit and acting in your own strength. It's very poetic, but I like how it's expressed that he was like, you know, sometimes God wants us to wait on him. We see this all throughout the scripture. You know, there's a song. You know, I like to break out singing, right? Hey there, wait. On the Lord shall renew. You know, Mary City, they sing that scripture that I said. They shall mount up, up on wings like a knee. And what I like about it, when they get to the end of it and they say, that's what happens when you wait. Wait on the Lord. And it's like, you get a little stronger. And it, I, I love the words. They sing in that scripture. And what they say in there, sometimes the Lord wants us to wait to let his plans unfold so that we can experience his faith and in his faithfulness in which our faith is strengthened in him. More from Dr. Jones in a moment. But first, during this month, you can request your MP3 download of the sermon series, Time for Your Checkup, with your donation to the ministry. This is a great resource where Dr. Jones teaches us to examine and engage the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. To give, go to daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org and request your copy today. Now let's rejoin Dr. Jones for the rest of today's message. I love to tell people this. I, I, I love to tell myself this. You know, like God is in the business of wanting to show himself faithful. Like he, he wants to put his faithfulness on display. Sometimes God, I, I picture God sometimes if he, you know, in, in my vernacular and how I act, it's almost like God, he's watching us and he's like, look, just wait, just wait. I got, I got you over here to stop, stop. Just wait, hold on, wait. I got you over here, just wait. Like I, I already told you, wait, just wait on me. And then if we all obedient and we wait on him and we see the end play out, God was like, I told you, look, it's all for you. It's even better than what you was trying to get over here. You don't even come with all the grief and the heartache because you rusted. It's this, this wise perspective. But then he, he says something here that I, it, I, I wrote this down. It says, the delusions of the past. He said, don't. Don't be, don't be rushing. Don't, don't be angry. Be, be patient. Wait on the Lord. Walk in wisdom. And, and in verse 10, he says, don't, 
Don't say, why were the former days better than these? Since it is not wise for you to ask this. You ever, we've, I, would, I would venture to say that almost every one of us in here have been guilty of saying the good old days at some point in our life. Some point in our life, we said something about the good old days. Something about the good old days. And then, as we get older, we realize, I don't think that ever existed. I don't think it, I don't know if the good old days ever existed. Like, like there might have been certain aspects that were better than now, but then there were other aspects that were much worse. What you're telling God when you focus on the past so much, what you're telling God is, God, you made a mistake and you got me living in the wrong time period. And truth be told, every time period, every period in human history has its challenges because we live in a sinful, fallen world in need of a savior whose name is Jesus. This whole passage is about having a proper and wise perspective on the issues of life. Take life seriously, but don't be impatient. Take life seriously. But don't get all angry when things don't go your way. Take life seriously and live in the now and the present of what God wants to do in and through you, in your context, in your life, in your time in this world. But it doesn't stop. That was just verse 10, verse 11 through 14. There's, there's this wisdom when it comes to uh, resources. I'm saying that we can say economics, but it's not just money, resources. He says this wisdom is a good is is as good as an inheritance and an advantage to those who see the sun because wisdom is a protection as silver is protection. But the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of its owner. Consider the work of God who can straighten out what he has made crooked. In the days of prosperity be joyful but in the day of adversity consider God has made the one as well as the other so that no one can discover anything that will come after him. You know what this is getting at? In times of prosperity and in times of recession, guess who still sits on the throne? Like, like did, did God get kicked off his throne in heaven? You know, when he, when he gets in here and he's talking about wisdom is as good an inheritance, some, some of the Hebrew scholars debate, okay, is this saying that like as wisdom is good as just like inheritance is good and the use of wisdom with inheritance or wealth is even better? There's that, that, discussion with that. The main point of what he's getting at is that God wants us to be wise with what he gives us. He's making these statements and he wants us to have a wise perspective. So if your pockets are deep, have a wise perspective. Use it to the glory and honor of God. If your pockets not deep, use what you have to the glory and honor of God and watch him take care of your needs. The whole thing boils down to, do you trust him? The whole thing boils down to that. Everything, this whole wise perspective he's giving is saying, I want you to take life seriously. Don't major in the distractions of life. Take your life and the responsibilities and the purpose that God has given you. The places he's placed you, the jobs, the finances, the family, the extracurricular activities, the clubs and the sports. I want you to use all of it and have a wise perspective of how you approach it. 
I don't want you to embrace the responsibilities and embrace the opportunities and embrace the purpose. Yeah, we, we, we've seen already, and it's coming up even again later in this chapter. We already see, he says that one of our rewards is to enjoy what God has given us. So it's not that we just got this old boring life and I, I can't enjoy anything. No, God wants us to use responsibly what he's given us and enjoy it to the fullest. But we can't enjoy it to the fullest if we compare to other people. And we have that coveting spirit and a, and a, and a jealous heart. Know a wise perspective on life so that we may live wisely is that we understand that this life that he's given us is a gift, y'all. It's a gift. That's why he says, like, what you, it, you know what's interesting about the word here? He says, consider the work of God. Who can straighten what he has made crooked? You ever thought, why would he say that like that? Isn't it supposed to be who can make crooked what he made straight? Don't that sound more like God? Like, God makes stuff straight. We mess it up and make it crooked. Like, that seems like, like we need to correct it. You know what he's saying? When God decides to do something, who are you to gonna do it, make it different? I don't like how God did that, so we just gonna rename it and call it something else. You, you, you can't change God. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. He is God, He is eternal. We don't force His hand, we don't make Him do anything. And when He has made something, we can't change it. What He's calling us to do is trust Him and live out purpose he gives <laughs> I, 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 I'm telling y'all I, I was reading this again this morning y'all and I was it was just jumping out to me he says when he says about adversity and prosperity God has made the one as well as the other so that no one can discover anything that would come after him man that's like what I'm supposed to do with that you know everything we, most things we, we want to figure it out you know what that's telling us God has made certain decisions so that you and you and you and me, we can never totally figure him out. But what we can know is he know what he's doing. So might as well trust him. Might as well trust him. Might as well give him everything I got. Might as well surrender my whole life into his hands. Because you know what? I can throw the biggest temper tantrum I want. He's not budging on his decisions. I love wisdom literature, and I love it because we, it's, it's always lessons of trust. It's always lessons of surrender. You know, was, there was a father that was, had been teaching and instructing one of his children in driving, and one of his children was driving one day, and the father saw that a storm was coming up on the radar app, so as they were driving, Heading into the storm, father told the child, hey, we're we going into this storm, but it's going to be okay, just listen to my voice, I'm going to tell you what to do when you get in here. And it was one of those storms that you drive into, and visibility was almost about just beyond the front hood of the car. Teenage driver panicking, can't see, never driven in this, hands on the wheel, when the father reached over. Grab the top of the wheel and says, don't fight me. I'll help guide you. Just listen to my voice. And the father kept telling the teenager where to look, where to put your eyes. Put your eyes here. Put your eyes here. Don't fight me. Kind of let go. You hold on. I want you to feel it. But let go. I got you. 
And that child started to have a calm, went from freaking out to a calm, to a peace, to a confidence. And then the storm was over. Sun was shining like it never rained. That new teenage driver was more and more confident in driving all the more. Learned a lesson and learned an even bigger lesson when it came to confidence and trust in that child's father. If that can happen in a human relationship, let me tell you something of how big that is when it comes to your walk with your father in heaven. So there are times that we live in this life and we're going in the storms and he's instructing us and he's guiding us and he got his hand on that wheel and he's saying, look, I got you. Don't fight me. Don't fight against me. You're learning something. You're learning something. And when you get out on the other end of that storm, guess what? We know how to handle ourselves when we're in it and we got an even bigger confidence in our father. When we're speaking about this wise perspective on life, let's not look to the world for how we need to look at our lives and what we need to think is important. Let's not look to the world of what we think should be valued. Let's look to the Lord and what he says matters most, what he says we should value, and let's commit our entire lives for him and his glory. Thank you for listening to Point with Daryl Jones. This was just one part from the current series, Chasing After the Wind, 14 messages that walk you through the entire book of Ecclesiastes where we learn that true satisfaction is found only in knowing the Lord and enjoying the life He provides. If this ministry has blessed you, we invite you to partner with us today. Please visit daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org. Your financial generosity keeps us on the air, and we are grateful for your faithfulness. And remember, keep making Jesus the point.